Our scripture today is Psalm 46. I'm going to read the first three verses now, and then we'll come back and read the rest a little later. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the psalmist. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Fear not, God says, fear not. So I love that sentiment, and it shows up frequently in Scripture, as we'll see here shortly, but, but that's easier said than done to fear not. Now, I don't really think of myself as a fear-based person, but I was in a a small group one time, and the spiritual exercise was to uh, sit in silence and list your fears, like journal about your fears, because there's power in writing things down. And I was surprised by, uh, by what came up for me. I was surprised how long that list ended up being. And if you've never done this exercise, sitting down and honestly reflecting on and listing your fears, whether they're rational or otherwise, it may be worth your time. Asking myself this question helped me to see that I needed to rely more on our infinite God than on my finite self. Um, And I'll come back to this point in a bit. Over the past couple of months, I've had an unusual amount of time in airplanes. Back in April, a group of us from the church went to Greece to journey in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. Uh, We flew through Istanbul, which is a 12-hour flight from Dallas. And then a couple of weeks ago, our family took our summer vacation trip to Alaska. And if you have been there, uh, you know that it is far. (laughs) It is a six-hour flight to Anchorage. And so uh, with a full day and a half in the air recently, I had the chance to to watch a bunch of movies, which is my preferred uh, distraction on long flights. And there is a certain type of movie that my wife, Whitney, uh, will not watch with me, okay? Star Wars movies, no problem. Superhero movies, sure. Animated movies, of course. But she will not watch scary movies with me. Uh, The very first scary movie I ever saw was when I was in middle school. A buddy of mine had a sleepover uh, for his birthday and a bunch of us, I was like 11 or 12 years old, a bunch of us watched The Shining in the middle of the night. Yeah, the Jack Nicholson one. I still remember that very vividly, and since then, every once in a while, I'll be in the mood for a good scare, but Whitney is unequivocally out on this particular genre, and so when we fly somewhere, if it's an option um, and there's one available that I want to see, I will watch a scary movie. So in the past couple of months, I have seen the movie um, Nope. If you've seen that one, that's a Jordan Peele movie about aliens. It was uh, actually shockingly gruesome in some places. Um, Then I saw Megan, which is a pretty silly movie about a lifelike doll who um, takes on a murderous life of her own. Uh, And then most recently on the way to Alaska, I watched Smile, which is a super creepy demon movie that came out last fall. And, you know, honestly, Whitney didn't miss anything by not watching these movies with me. Um, But it is interesting, I think, the range of things that have the power to scare us. Now, works of fiction, movies and books, are just kind of fun diversions for those of us who enjoy that kind of thing. 
But if you turn on the news, or um, worse, if you scroll through social media, chances are there is somebody who's trying to scare you about something all the time, right? Fear is being constantly fomented in our culture about threats, uh, sometimes entirely imagined, sometimes simply exaggerated, and sometimes real. And that's true because fear can be a powerful motivator. It's easy to get, to get sucked into that fear cycle. But even without those external influences, there are things um, that we worry about and fear all by, by ourselves, like fears about the health and well-being of the people we love, um, about the health and well-being of ourselves, um, about financial security. The list goes on and on and on. And chances are, if we are deeply honest with ourselves, uh, every one of us has a, a fear list that's, that's longer than we probably think. So here are a couple of mine. <laughs> on our vacation uh, to Alaska, Whitney booked us on what is dubbed as the world's largest zip rider. These are my two beloved children. I would not risk their safety for any reason. My wife, on the other hand, booked us on this zip rider. <laughs> it is 5,330 feet long. So if you're good at math, that's more than a mile long. It has a drop of 1,350 feet. Um, that's taller than the Empire State Building, as you see there. Now, I have been afraid of heights all of my life, but off we went on this uh, gondola ride that felt like an eternity to the top of the hill. If you look over Whitney's uh, shoulder there, the, that tiny little white thing, that's actually two things. Those are two huge cruise ships. That's how far up we are, you can tell there. Um, when we got to the top of the hill, this is not, a, yeah, exactly, um, yes, there were bear warning signs all over that literally read, bears can kill you and it can happen to you. So I, I added one more thing to my fear list while we were up there. And then the young woman who was checking us in at the top of the hill said that we should stick together, the four of us, on this quarter mile walk to the zip line because they had recently seen a mama bear and her cubs in the woods. And she said, listen, as long as you, uh, as you ignore them, you should be okay. Should be okay is exactly what she said. I called her out on that. Well, we obviously made it down safely. Everybody got home just fine. That's what it looks like from the base, that line all the way up there. That is the zip line. We made it despite the death-defying drops uh, and the bear warning and the mama bear and her cubs that were lurking at the top of that gigantic hill. And it was a lot of fun, truly. But my point is uh, that there is a lot that we adults end up being afraid of. Uh, speaking for myself, the older I get, the more cautious I become and the more protective I become because the older I get, uh, the more I have to lose. Now fear, to some greater or lesser degree, is simply a reality in our lives. And of course, God is well aware of that because God knows everything. And so the subject of fear comes up a lot in Scripture, uh, including in our passage for today. In fact, the command to fear not, in some form or another, appears more than 140 times in the 66 books of the Bible. Fear not, God says, fear not. It's our subject for today. So this is week two of our month-long sermon series called The Faith of a Child, in which we're talking about Jesus' um, expectation for his disciples that our faith be childlike. And we spent last week talking about um, how we are all created in the image 
of God and how that knowledge, that truth, uh, should shape both the way we live and the way that we treat others. This week, we are talking about fear and more importantly, uh, the promise that God makes to be our strength and our refuge. So, let's finish the text. This is uh, Psalm 46, verses four to 11. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. Fear not, God says. Fear not. Psalm 46 is a song that um, celebrates the promise of our security as God's people. Now, our faith is not um, Pollyanna-ish. We know that bad things happen. We know that that bad things happen to good people. Uh, We know that our faith in God does not provide some kind of you know, magical protection against the hardships and tragedies of this world. But we also know that the Lord of hosts is with us always, that the God of Jacob is our refuge always, and that all shall be well in this world or in the world to come. Psalm 46 is uh, organized into three distinct sections, the first section we read at the beginning uh, is in verses one through three, talks in this kind of mythological language about how um, we can have confidence in in God even if the foundations of the earth were threatened because uh, in the ancient worldview, the mountains held up the sky and anchored the land over the oceans. And so when the psalmist says, uh, the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, that's what the psalmist is talking about there, even if the earth itself is threatened, he says, we will not fear, we will not fear. And then the second section in verses four to seven talks about Jerusalem, which has historically, of course, seen turmoil and disruption and destruction, um, but still, quote, God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. And that's still true, right? More than two and a half millennia after the psalmist wrote those words. We have the security of our faith even when, quote, the nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. And then the third section, the last section, verses eight to 11, give us a promise that God is ultimately the triumphant king of all the earth. It's a vision of a kingdom that is partially broken in to this troubled world and that someday will be completely fulfilled. And it gives us uh, one of the most beloved verses, this section gives us one of the most beloved verses in the entire Bible, chapter, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. 
Yes, bad things can and do happen, but the God of all creation is with us always, our refuge of peace and hope, come what may, the triumphant king whose, whose reign will never end. And because that is true, fear not, God says, fear not. So, so how does the theology of Psalm 46 then uh, connect with Jesus telling us to have the faith of a child? Uh, well, for me, it's about the sense of security that parents have or that children have in their parents. And I'm talking uh, obviously here about healthy homes. Bad things can and do happen in the world, of course, but, but in their parents, children feel the security that allows them to thrive that allows them to flourish, that allows them to, to grow up with confidence and a healthy sense of self. That's the ideal vision, right? When children wake up in the middle of the night from a scary dream, they call out to their parents or they run to their parents' room. When children feel um, nervous or unsure, they, they look to their parents to reassure them. When fears arise, children turn to their parents for that sense of security that we all need. Having the faith of a child then means that when fears arise for us, we turn to God as a child turns to their parent. As the faithful, we turn over our fears to God. Having the faith of a child means finding our security in God. And when we do that, we have what the Apostle Paul calls the peace that passes all understanding. We have uh, assurance that all shall be well one way or another. We have the confidence to live faithful lives without being overcome by fear over and over again. God says, fear not. He was one of the most uh, important theologians in Christian history, and in one sense, we, we Methodists are all his spiritual descendants. And as part of his reforming work, he was uh, determined to reinvigorate worship, and he knew that music was essential to the task, that music provides an emotional connection to the theology we profess. He wrote this, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our thoughts, minds, hearts, and spirits. A person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God should be permitted to hear nothing but the brain of donkeys and the grunting of hogs. <laughs> With that uh, very opinionated conviction in his heart, he wrote hymns. Uh, and he wrote music to, that he set to popular tunes, uh, tunes that, that people already knew. He didn't write new music. He set the music he was writing to tunes that people already knew, specifically tunes that church members heard in the bars in the evenings and that would come easily to mind in worship on Sundays, tunes uh, that, would, that would come to them when they needed them most. And one of those tunes still rings in our ears almost 500 years later. In 1529, Martin Luther wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. Inspired by Psalm 46, it's a, it's a song that celebrates the promise of our security as people of God. We, we Christians are not a congregation of Pollyannas. 
We know that bad things happen. We know that bad things happen to good people. We know that our faith in God does not provide some kind of magical protection against the hardships and tragedies of this world. But we also know that the Lord of hosts is with us, that the God of Jacob is our refuge and that all shall be well, if not in this world, then in the world to come. Perhaps Martin Luther's most enduring contribution to our faith, as as Methodists anyway, became the anthem of the Reformation. And it'll be our, our closing hymn later this morning. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. In other words, fear not. God says, fear not. Amen.